Are you a true crime buff? Check out this week's episode of the Unique on Purpose podcast. Thank you for joining me on episode 38 of the Unique on Purpose podcast, helping you find victory in how God has uniquely created you. I am your host, Rachel Jenneman, just a regular gal trying to help people know that they are called victors in Christ Jesus. And today, Lori Morrison shares with us as a private investigator how she is taking Jesus with her to crime scenes. Take a listen as she shares the uniqueness of coupling her faith with her passion to help victims find closure. Welcome back to the Unique on Purpose podcast. It's Rachel Jenneman here going all the way to Tennessee to visit Lori Morrison. Lori, I'm super excited you're here. You're a wife, a mom, a private investigator, and I think that's what gets me the most excited. You're a blogger, a speaker. You're the podcast host of Unlovely Truth. You've been featured in uh, podcast magazines, Spark Media Magazine. And uh, I'm excited you're here because I'm just really drawn to what you do. If I wasn't doing what I'm doing in ministry, I'd probably want to be you. (laughs) I Um, I grew up with a mom for a 911 operator, a police officer for a dad. So I was thrown into just a first responder family and growing up with just talking about crime and what people do in their lives. And this is an area of ministry for you, which I find it fascinating. But first off, just introduce yourself to me, to our audience, and just your story behind how you felt God leading you to become a private investigator. Sure. You know, it's not something that I ever pictured myself doing, the podcast or the private investigating. I was a corporate paralegal oh. and and enjoying it. But, you know, as my girls grew up and my nest started to kind of get empty, I really wanted to feel like I was making a more direct difference in people's lives. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I had kind of that unsettled feeling, and that, that's when I know that, that God's getting ready to do something. Yeah. So I, I was just kind of waiting and, and seeing, you know, where he might lead things. And one day I had the news on, and it caught my attention. They were featuring a story about these men who were being sentenced for kidnapping, raping, and murdering a young girl. Mm-hmm. And I had... I had followed this story for years because she was missing for a while before they found her, and then um, it took a while to really put the pieces together and figure out who was responsible. And the the family was understandably wanting things to progress a little more quickly than they were, and they hired a private investigator. And the news story was focusing on her, and the on her the really got my attention. Yes. Okay. Okay. And so I thought, oh, my gosh, that is so amazing. This family needed help, and she stepped in, and, wow, I would love to do that. And, you know, it's one of those those God things where you just, you suddenly know what you need to do. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I need to talk to her. I need to help her. <laughs> so... I I looked her up on the internet. She had a website for her company, and I just sent her a message and said, you know, I have this this background. I've already got these these skills as a paralegal. Could I just use what I already know how to do to help you in any way at all? Mm-hmm. So I sent her that message, and then I thought, she's going to think I am absolutely insane. She doesn't <laughs> know me. 
Um, but amazingly, she, and this is another reason I knew it was kind of a God thing, she reached back out, we met for lunch, we hit it off, and so I just started out volunteering, you mm-hmm. know, hey, what can I do? Mm-hmm. And the more I did with her, eventually she's like, you know, you could do this, you could be an investigator. And again, I had never even considered that, but, you know, I thought about it and mm-hmm. talked to God about it a little more. And I thought, you know, if it will allow me to be of more service to these people, mm-hmm. then okay, let's do that. And so I got my license and still kind of thought it was just going to be a little boost for being a, a helper type person. Yeah. Didn't expect it to kind of take over my life. But the more <laughs> that I did it, yeah, exactly. The more that I did it, the more that I really loved it, and the more I really loved helping people in a more direct way. And so I eventually started my own PI business. And so I I do that now. And she had a podcast that she used really to kind of drive tips to some of the cold cases she was investigating. Mm. And so we were just talking one time about, um, and she was very successful with it without warning. If anybody wants to listen to that, it's really good. And we talked about, you know, why don't more PIs use this for a variety of different reasons, not just for your cases, but to kind of promote the industry in general and educate people on what we do. And I'm a real book nerd. And so I just kind of was being flippant and said, well, somebody needs to do like a true crime book podcast. Yeah. And she smiled at me and said, well, Lori, that's your podcast. (laughs) And again, I thought, well, I I never considered that, but it was, again, one of those ideas that just wouldn't go away. So Mm -hmm. I knew God was saying, you know, hey, pay attention to this thought. And I was talking through it with a friend, and she said, you know, there's so many true crime podcasts out there, and there certainly are. She said, you being a PI is a little bit different. And she said, but what really makes you different is your faith. And, you know, could you find a way to kind of combine those two? Mm -hmm. And I thought, that is a terrible idea. (laughs) Why did you think that was a terrible idea? I thought they just, they seem like such polar opposite and, and... they didn't seem like they would mesh well. Mm-hmm. But the more I thought about it, the more I thought, you know, she is she's really right. Yeah. Because who in the world should be the most concerned with helping people who are suffering yes. than Christians? Yes. And so it's it's really grown from there. God has taken it um, and tweaked it in small ways that I'm so grateful for and you know, I, I can't wait to see what else he wants to do with it. Mm-hmm. Well, being a, a private investigator, it, it looks like as you go through your website, this is your ministry. Like, this is your unique ministry. It's not just that you're a private investigator, but you can tell that Jesus is wrapped up in what you do. So tell me, let's dig into that a little bit more. How do you feel God is using you in that area of private investigating? Well, I think that along with helping um, my clients, the victims, the people that I work with, there's really kind of of another side to it where God has allowed me to really let people know this is not an area that we can shove under the rug in our churches. Mm -hmm. 
you know, this is this is not something you typically talk about um, in your small groups. And I know when I'm at a church function or um, a conference or anything, and people ask what I do, and I tell them, you know, they kind of look around like they want to make sure nobody's listening, and then they lean in close and they kind of whisper, "I love that stuff." And I'm like, "That's great." Uh-huh. You know, if God if God has put that interest in your heart, it, it's to convict you. It's not to. It's not something that condemns you. It's not right. a horrible thing to be interested in. Mm-hmm. You know, who who led the charge? with forming hospitals for people, for forming universities. Yeah. It was the Christians. Yes. And I think, you know, abolition, too. Mm-hmm. And I think we've, in the Western church especially, kind of ceded our place mm-hmm. to, you know, secular institutions. Mm-hmm. And I want to encourage people, it's okay to work with people who've been vic- victims of sexual assault. Mm-hmm. That's that's not a dirty thing. That's not a shameful thing. Mm-hmm. No, Nobody wants to have those things happen to them, regardless right. of what their life circumstances were. And I, you know, I, I really don't like victim blaming because mm-hmm. how, how many of us have been at the wrong place where we knew we shouldn't have been or yeah. been with people we probably knew weren't we the best mistakes. people to hang out with? Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even the people who have committed the crimes, they certainly need to pay their debt to society. I'm I'm not trying to excuse what folks have done. Mm -hmm. But most people that have gone to jail or prison, they're eventually going to get back out, the vast majority of them. Mm -hmm. And so don't we want to work with those people as well and give them tools that will help them navigate life better? than they did before they went in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, even just from a self-preservation standpoint, mm-hmm. we're going to help our society. We're going to help our communities. We're just going to raise the level of, of, you know, leading productive lives for everybody when we wade into these areas. Mm-hmm. Do you feel as though God is leading you while you're investigating a case that God is leading you? I I guess that's the best way to to question it. Do you feel God leading you? Oh, yeah, Mm -hmm. definitely. I mean, there's there's times, of course, when God is is quiet. And I'm like, you know, if you could just tell me who did this. Right. Yeah. Tell me where tell me where the best um, information is that we can use as evidence. And it, it. he doesn't always lead in that fashion. Mm-hmm. I'm a very direct and practical person, so that's kind of what I'd like for him to, to tell right. me. But it's in my experience, it's been more, and my mentor calls these God shots. It's been those small things that you kind of, in retrospect, go, okay, mm-hmm. God appointed that meeting with that person, or God led me to realize that that was an avenue that wasn't going to give us what we were looking for or might be kind of a dangerous thing. And those are the kind of things where I can really see his hand on things. Mm -hmm. Do, Do you ever feel a pressure that, well, I'm a Christian, I hear from God, I need to make sure I get this done correctly, or I'm going to make God look bad in this investigation? Do you ever feel that? I think I do, but really only in 
in the context that anybody would, that, you know, if you are claiming the name of Jesus, Mm -hmm. you certainly don't ever want to do anything that is going to bring shame or dishonor Mm -hmm. or confusion to people who aren't there yet. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there's certainly that. And there's also, you know, you feel this burden that folks need answers. Yeah. And, you know, I have yet to have anybody get real confrontational with me, like, why did God let this happen? Mm -hmm. But you know they're thinking that. Yeah. And, and, you know, there's times when I'm thinking that. And, And so, you know, you just really have to be very mindful of things that you're saying, the way that you're saying them. Mm-hmm. Because there's a lot of scripture that is undoubtedly true, but perhaps not helpful in the moment. Okay. It has to have a, it has to have a better context. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I would never tell uh, a grieving family member, you know, well, Romans eight twenty eight. <laughs> You right. Know, yeah. That's not going to be helpful in not that moment. Not appropriate. Yeah. Now, is it helpful to guide me that I know that eventually, somehow, even though this is a terrible situation, God didn't cause the situation, but in any instance that happens, eventually He can bring good out of it. Mm-hmm. Yes, of course. Mm-hmm. But when you're working with people that are still in the depths of grief that's hard for them to contextualize. Yeah. So you have to just be really careful of, of that kind of stuff. What have you found has been the hardest part about being a Christian in the private investigating business? That's a really good question. Um, I think one of the hardest things is maintaining my own, not my faith, but my own I guess I'll call it soul health Mm. because, you know, you take in a lot of things that are very, very dark. The, the worst things that humans can, can come up with to do to one another. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you're processing that darkness. You're processing some anger because you think, you know, if you have a suspect in mind, who were you to decide who would live or die? Mm. Or who are you to decide to take this mm-hmm. from this person? Yeah. Or abuse this person for your own ends as though how it affected them wouldn't matter. Mm-hmm. And so just being able to process through that because if you get stuck there or if you get stuck in the, the misery of all of the heartache, then you can't help people the way you should. And so just continually reminding myself to process through those things. You know, it's like when you're on the airplane and they always do their little safety thing, which now kind of becomes a song and dance to try to get people to pay attention to it. Right. But if if you are paying attention to it, you'll notice that they say, if there's enough turbulence that the oxygen masks drop down, make sure you put your own on first. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't, you won't stay well enough to help anybody else. Yeah. And so I try to tell myself that too. Okay. Mm-hmm. Stay in the word, stay in community, continually process what you're experiencing because if I don't, I'm not going to be any help to anybody. Yeah, cuz you're going to become incredibly jaded. And you'll just mm-hmm. look at people, I mean, I'm sure that that jadedness will have you looking at probably pretty normal people a lot differently. 
than what you would if you weren't doing that job. Oh, for sure. I, I come up with snarky little comments because that's just me. Um, like, in God we trust, everybody else gets a background check. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, just kind of trying to remind myself that you can, not that there's humor in what happened, but you can use humor to try to help you process things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sounds like you and I would get along very well. (laughs) (laughs) So what has been the best part about doing this job? Oh, my gosh. How much I have learned from not only people whose cases I've worked, but people I've interviewed on the podcast. I will absolutely never forget one lady. Her daughter was murdered. It was ruled a suicide, and so once that happens, the official investigation completely ceases. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I've, I've worked enough cases where things get ruled very, very, very quickly as a suicide. And then when you look at the facts, you're like, you know, there's enough here to say I, I'm not sure about that conclusion. Yeah. But the families are then stuck because authorities are done with it. Mm-hmm. And so this lady had actually gone on to work for a large group of victims advocates, and she walked families through the process that she'd been through herself mm-hmm. to help, help them understand, you know, these feelings are normal. Here's what's coming next. Here are resources you can use. And I asked her, you know, is that especially painful for you because you're you're constantly revisiting the worst time in your life? Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget, she paused and said, oh, it heals my heart. Oh, wow. I, I know, and I thought, you know, if you can go through what you've been through and get to that place, yeah, I, I stand in awe. Mm-hmm. And so many other victims are like, I just want to make sure this doesn't happen to anyone else. Yeah. You know, they transfer what they've been through to an act of service. Mm. And, you know, if they can do that, how can the rest of us sit and do nothing? Right. For sure. And you get to be a part of that. Like, you get to be a part of helping people heal. And I think that's that's a very unique ministry And it's very beautiful. I notice on your website that you say we don't have to be a PI or a lawyer to make a difference in victims' lives. What do you mean by that? Well, I like to say that anybody can be a different kind of PI, Mm -hmm. a person of impact. Okay. So what does that mean? You know, there's just, there's so many ways that you can step forward with skills you already have. Like I was doing... You know, I had my paralegal skills. And I'm just like, here's what I've got. What can I do? Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you're a great organizer. Is there a non-for-profit that helps victims that needs some help keeping files organized? Mm-hmm. You can't imagine the impact you'll have allowing those people to go out and do what they do and not worry about the organization. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you are a social media guru. There are so many families that turn to Facebook, especially. I've seen some of it on Instagram, but you'll see a lot of groups on Facebook. You know, who killed so-and-so? Mm-hmm. Or so-and-so is missing. 
if, if you just search those two things, you'll find more than you can even imagine. Mm-hmm. And they might need help just being an admin on their Facebook page because maybe they get a lot of interaction, they can't keep up with it all, or maybe they're just in a place emotionally where it's hard for them to keep up with it all because you you can't imagine the trolls that will get on these things and say hateful, hurtful things to families. That's so sad. I know. And just being able to sort through that for people mm-hmm. is a tremendous service. Or... You know, I like when people get excited about kind of the, the proactive side of things. Well, how can I make my community safer? Mm-hmm. And I say, you know what? A statistic that most people don't know is that kids that go through foster care, boys are four times as likely as adults to get caught up in the criminal justice system. Girls are 10 times as likely. Mm-hmm. And so... Work with your local foster care groups, whether that's the actual, you know, governmental entities, if they have some volunteer availability, or again, a not-for-profit that's in that area where they need you to maybe mentor those kids or spend time with them Mm -hmm. and help them see, because a lot of them, you know, they're not in the foster care system for no reason. Right. They've had, they've had very serious issues within their family and a lot of times that's criminal activity on the part of mom or dad or whoever their caregiver was Mm -hmm. and so they need to be able to see that there are other ways there are better choices same thing with just church youth group Mm -hmm. i know teenagers are handful i know and it's hard to get people to want to volunteer in that area Mm -hmm. but you never know what some of those kids are going through right and if they can have someone showing them a different way Mm -hmm. um, a totally god-appointed thing that happened in my life i work with jail ministry and i had volunteered to kind of be a life coach to a lady who had gotten out of prison she was young and i met with her we started talking and i finally some of the things she was saying were just really sticking in my mind like there's a connection here and I finally asked her where she'd gone to middle school and it turned out she had played middle school basketball with my daughter Mm. and so I had known her for years but not well Mm -hmm. and so here she's telling me about you know family dysfunction that you know while she was definitely taking ownership of bad choices she'd made I could see where that's all she'd known that's all she'd seen that was the family pattern Mm mm-hmm And I was like, I'm so sorry that I didn't know back when I knew you then Mm -hmm. that you were struggling this way. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, who knows if someone had mentored her then. Yeah. As opposed to where where I caught up with her in life. Mm -hmm. Would things have been different for her? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, maybe you're that person that always loves to do the toy drive at Christmas time. Go to your local first responders, whether it's police or sheriff, uh, ambulance crews, fire department. See if they will take donations of new stuffed animals that they can carry on their rigs. And when they come across a scene that they've had to respond to where there's a traumatized child, they've got a comfort item for them. Mm. But also, it also helps them build trust Mm -hmm. with that child. 
see if they would take a donation of something like that. And then you can organize that at your church, within small groups, or however you want to do that. Mm-hmm. There's just so many ways yeah, to the, help. The, and the, Yeah, the, the possibilities are endless. You said something, made me think of a question a little bit ago. You were talking about social media. Do you feel that social media has uh, helped more with uh, solving crimes? I think it has. I really do. Um, and, of course, you have to be careful about how how you do things. You don't want to be um, exploitative. Mm-hmm. You want to be very, very respectful of survivors. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, so many cases are solved by the public getting involved. You know, everybody thinks, oh, it's fingerprints, it's DNA, it's all this stuff. And when those are present and recoverable, they're very helpful. Mm-hmm. But not every crime scene has those. Right. We just kind of glorify it on TV shows. Yes. So many more things are solved when people come forward and tell what they know. Mm. And so, you know, when social media is reminding people, hey, this case right here, this is still open. Mm-hmm. Some, somebody might see that and say, oh, I just assumed they would have solved that by now i knew something but i figured they knew it too Mm. oh gosh don't take that for granted call the police Mm -hmm. call a local tip line where you can remain anonymous if you feel like your safety might get compromised or something um send me the tip (laughs) at my (laughs) podcast and i'll contact the authorities yeah yeah but a lot of times it's it's that one person coming forward and telling what they know that ends up being what solves cases okay Tell me now about your podcast. I've been listening to it, and I like it because it's different. And, of course, I just love crime stuff. But tell me a little bit about it. What can I learn from it and the fact that you are combining true crime with your Christian faith? Well, I started out and and still use uh, true crime books. And I kind of summarize, hey, here's a case you may or may not have heard of. But here are some of these issues that it brings up, whether it's redemption, forgiveness. One of my latest ones, and I'm big on these, is red flags. Mm. Hey, if if we had seen some of these things and not brushed them off, would things have been different? Mm-hmm. Or going forward, if you see these red flags in relationships you have or people you know or even in your church, Because everybody thinks, you know, church is the safe place. But I'm telling you, that's where predators go to look for victims because they know that we're very trusting. Yes. I was a kid's pastor for a long time, and I had to be that person that, I'm trying to say this in the best way, but put the wall up and Mm -hmm. do all the background checks. And I had to check the sex registry and everything because I knew that just because it's church, that doesn't mean necessarily safety. It means I actually had to protect more because it was church. Exactly. And when I was in my corporate paralegal role, um, the company I worked for, among lots of other things, did a lot of kids camps. Mm. And so part of what I did was train every year the people that were going to be working the camps and everything and you know they had the attitude of anybody that wants to work at camp because they love kids is is a good person i'm like okay well if you want to 
have donuts, you're not going to go to the steakhouse. You're going to go to the donut shop. Mm-hmm. So if, if you have these unnatural reasons to be around children, you're going to be a scout leader, a youth group volunteer, a sports coach with kids. You're going to go where the kids are. Mm-hmm. And so I would, I would always purposefully shock them just to, to try to make this stick in their mind and, and ask them a question. Mm-hmm. I say, okay, how, how many times do you think the average pedophile offends? How many victims do they have before, and it could be multiple offenses with the same victim, before they are caught, prosecuted, and um, sentenced. And they'd say, oh gosh, it's probably a really huge, scary number, like 15. And I'm like, it's 117. <gasps> oh, I wouldn't have guessed that. And, you wow. know, that's an older statistic. I haven't had to look that up for a while. Mm-hmm. And they, they would just be like, oh, I wish you hadn't told me that. And I'm like, no. <laughs> no, you need, need to know that. know that. Yeah. You need to be watching for people who, you know, are they wanting to try to have one-on-one time with that child? Mm-hmm. Are they um, touching that child too much? E- even in ways that seem innocent, you know, hand on the shoulder. That's just, you You have to just look at those things and keep your guard up. Yeah, looking for those red flags, being aware. Mm-hmm, exactly. Tell me about, so, the, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, that's, that's one thing that I hope people are getting from the podcast. And mm-hmm. I've done stuff on um, fraud. I've done stuff on, um, you know, kind of online catfishing. Be aware of things that maybe we don't know about because we like to believe the best of everybody. Right. Yeah. And you have a variety of guests on, which I really like. One of your recent podcasts I listened to, you really brought a lot of the psychology in where you had a crime of a girl who was sexually assaulted and then how she had to walk through being healed. So you're talking about the crime, but then you're also going into how God is able to bring healing to something that is incredibly traumatic. Or someone else how are true crime podcasts helping catch criminals i think just mostly bringing awareness mm-hmm. kind of like the because social media it, thing yeah again we we like to believe the best in people we get so busy in our lives we don't always pay attention to what's going on around us and so if somebody suddenly hears a podcast and goes oh wait a minute you know, that that didn't happen very far from me. Mm-hmm. Then maybe that gets their attention to where they look into it a little more. They maybe look at some newscasts. I always try to have links for people to get more information about what happened in certain cases. Mm-hmm. And, and just kind of, again, that idea that you can step out of your comfort zone just a little and make a huge difference. You don't have to do something really, really drastic. You don't have to do something that is super time consuming because I know, you know, everybody has trouble finding that margin in their lives. And so I try to try to point out that, um, you know, just even sharing a podcast, maybe that didn't happen where, where you live, but you know some people and you say, oh, hey, friend in such and such a place listen to this mm-hmm. you you might have some some input for that mm-hmm. 
something so just a- any anything like that where you, not just my podcast but any any podcast that is really victim centered not mm-hmm. the kind of exploitative ones i hope nobody shares those right but the victim centered ones and i think too those podcasts yours included i think are bringing to light some things that we never would have thought of crimes that we never would have thought of and it's almost more of a preventative ministry if you think about it you're helping in a sense prevent when you're sharing hey these are red flags like you're helping to prevent crimes because of your podcast yeah i'm always amazed you know if if you're a person that likes to watch the the true crime shows on tv they'll they'll talk about somebody that was maybe a serial killer and no you don't have to be that afraid of them they're out there but chances are you're going if you're going to encounter a perpetrator it's going to be someone in your circle that mm-hmm. you know not right. not the stranger danger that we spend more time worrying about but you know you hear them say well so and so was just the greatest neighbor mm-hmm. i mean once he moved in all the cats in the neighborhood disappeared <laughs> but and I'm like, okay, that would be one of those red flags. Right. That's something we need to pay attention to. And that is something that I've heard a lot of is one of the biggest mistakes we made with kids in the 80s and the 90s was stranger danger because we pushed stranger danger so much that we did not show them the red flags of people maybe in their own family or family friends. And that's where yeah, a majority I- of perpetrators are. Yeah, and that's, you know, we don't like to think that. We like to think that the people that are around us are going to keep us safe, and most of them are. Mm -hmm. But if you have a bad feeling about someone, then, you know, be on your guard. Yeah. And one thing I think that we taught our children that goes along with what you're saying is, whether it was in a family setting or like a neighborhood group or at church even, you know, Somebody wants to hug the kid, and the kid doesn't want hugged, and you're like, you know, oh, but they care about you so much. You know, teach those kids that their feelings are worth listening to. Mm-hmm. Or if someone speaks to them in a way that makes them feel uncomfortable, oh, you know, that's just them. they got a quirky little personality. You know, no, we need to teach our sons and daughters that there are certain things they should not accept right in how other people treat them mm-hmm. and of course then we have to teach them how to graciously set boundaries but kids need to be given permission to set boundaries right no that's good that's really good tell me about your ebook your ebook every story needs a hero and in your book you talk about god still uses true crime stories tell me a little bit about that well, I think people forget that there's an awful lot of true crime stories in Scripture. <laughs> you know, if there's, of course, people being sacrificed and things that were warned against that are so very obviously wrong. Mm-hmm. But, you know, one of Jesus' most well-known parables is a true crime story, the Good Samaritan. Oh, You've got a guy who's been beaten, robbed, and left for dead. So there's Mm -hmm. three felonies right there. (laughs) Yeah. But then the heart of the matter is, who helps him? It's Mm -hmm. not the religious people. Mm -hmm. And so I think we can dive into stories like that and really learn, you know, Jesus 
wouldn't use that as a teaching method if that was a shameful type of story. Mm -hmm. If he wasn't wanting us to not only look at it, but like I like to say, get out of the audience and into the action, because how does he end that story? He tells us, go and do likewise. Mm -hmm. That Samaritan who helped be like that. Mm -hmm. And he just didn't go by and say, hey, buddy, I'll be praying for you. Right. He got in on the action. Yeah. I Mm -hmm. think in, in what is it about us? I'll kind of wrap up a little bit with this, but what is it about us? Like we are drawn to, and when I say we, I I don't want to speak for the whole general public, but I've been told like serial killer podcasts and, and documentaries are the new mom. Like that's how moms (laughs) unwind is watching documentaries of these serial killers, binge watching criminal minds. What is it about us that kind of draws us to that? Is it us wanting to be a part of something bigger than ourselves to, to be a part of that action? What is it? I think there's probably a lot of different motivations, but I think one of the most basic is that we are a people that loves a good story. Mm -hmm. That was one of Jesus's um, main teaching methods because he knew that. And these stories are very engaging because they're almost like cautionary tales for grownups. You know, if you, if you think about uh, fairy tales and if you think about fables and just those different types of things, Parents use those to teach their children things. So if you think about, like, Little Red Riding Hood, mm-hmm. don't don't talk to strangers. You've mm-hmm. got this, this wolf who pretends to be on your side. He's not. And so I think a lot of these true crime things, we're looking for how am I different from the person that was victimized so I can reassure myself that it's not going to happen to me. Mm-hmm. And what can I learn to keep myself out of that kind of predicament. Mm-hmm. But again, a lot of these, it's strangers coming in and doing these things when all the statistics show that we are much more likely to be victims of someone we know. Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, the, the true crime, you do see a lot of it being people you know, whether it's, you know, the husband I just released an episode yesterday. It was a church member murdering another church member. And, you know, just things that you don't want to be true, Mm -hmm. but they're just, they're fascinating because Mm -hmm. in the back of our minds, well, would that happen at my church? Oh, no, it wouldn't. And we like to tell ourselves it wouldn't. Mm -hmm. But instead of doing that, I just really encourage you to say, wow, let's study this. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and not that I'm blaming the people at that church because, you know, hindsight is always much better than when you're in the moment. Right. But how can I learn? What did they do right? What did they do maybe not as right? Mm-hmm. What what might have made a difference? Yeah. How can I learn from this situation? Exactly. Yeah. Lori Morrison from the unlovelytruth.com and the uh, host of the Unlovely Truth podcast talking about true crime, but then putting your Christian faith, mixing that together. I highly recommend it. Uh, You can find Lori on Instagram and Facebook. Lori, any last words before we close today? Oh, I just want to encourage people. You can 
do things that you maybe thought you couldn't mm-hmm. because again this is this is a life I never saw myself um, living but I tell you it's so incredibly rewarding so if God's nudging you if he's putting something on your heart and you're thinking oh I just don't see myself doing that trust him mm. just trust him and you will never regret it Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you so much, Lori. I really appreciate you, and I appreciate your your time and your ministry. Well, thank you so much, Rachel. I love the concept of your podcast because we, we are all unique, and we need to use that uniqueness with a purpose. Yes, amen to that. Thank you again for joining Lori and I on that unique conversation. I love how God puts passions and interests inside each one of us, and He will take you places you never thought you would go, even in true crime. Don't forget to share, download, and subscribe. And remember, you were created unique on purpose. You are loved, and because of Christ, you have been made worthy. I will see you right back here next week.